0: T.L. Talk Radio Season 5, Episode 22. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 22 of T.L. Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn funy and Randy Zigafus, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. Hi, Randy Ziganfoos,
1: and I'm Lynn Funyhat. So, Randy, today we're speaking with Julie Adams, Dr. P.J. Capozzi, and Dr. Rosa Isaiah, co-authors of "Fully Charged: 140 Battery Charging Maslow and Bloom Strategies for Students, Parents, and Staff." And our listeners might remember we previously spoke with Julie on Season Two, Episode Forty-One, about another powerful resource, Game Changers. Um, And in addition, you might remember a conversation about making evaluation meaningful from Season 4, Episode 4 with PJ. So we're glad to have our return guests here sharing their latest work in collaboration, Fully Charged. And we welcome Brosa as well to the conversation. Thank you so much for having us. Happy to be here. So a little bit about our guests here. Um, Julie is the founder and CEO of Adams Educational Consulting. She's taught kindergarten through graduate school and serves as an instructional cognitive and administrative coach to various school districts. PJ has had a wide range of educational experiences throughout his career um, including a teacher, an assistant principal, a principal and superintendent and currently PJ is a superintendent in Meridian School District 223 in Illinois. And currently, Rosa is Director of Elementary and Instructional Support in Narwalk, La Mirada. And over the course of 24 years, she's served as a teacher, bilingual specialist, language arts specialist, assistant principal, principal director, and consultant.
0: All right. Welcome to the show, everyone. Looking forward to our conversation today about your
2: book. Great to Thank be here. Thank you for having us. Yes.
0: Okay. So let's get started with, uh, how about a story about how you all got connect to each other and especially around this idea of neuroscience and the young brain.
3: Uh, I was fortunate enough to connect with PJ and Rosa and learning from them over the course of years. And uh, I just kind of reached out to them and asked if they were interested in collaborating on a few ideas that I had. And as we started talking, We kind of just all clicked, and it went from there.
0: It is neat how you find those people that cross your path as a professional, and you just build that synergy. And uh, clearly, the three of you have uh, produced a really interesting book with some interesting ideas we're going to dive into.
2: I think that Um, it's uh, always interesting to note that we have these opportunities – Particularly now in the digital age to connect and collaborate with who we want to, um, but it does take someone to um, have the idea and have the uh, initiative to lead and to put a project like this together. So I just want to make sure that I'm publicly announcing my thanks to Julie for kind <laughs> of undoubtedly being the leader of this project and and helping pull uh, myself through it, and uh, and Rosa for doing the same for me.
4: I have to agree with PJ, and uh, I watched PJ and Julie from a distance as a connected educator on Twitter and uh, was very impressed with them uh, all along. So when uh, Julie uh, presented this wonderful idea, um, I was honored, pretty humbled, uh, mind blown, and then I said yes, quickly.
1: (laughs) Great. So uh, you synergized and created this uh, resource. And I really appreciate how you organized the book. You have clear sections, strategies, and even follow-up reflection questions. Can you share some insights with our listeners to the structure of the book and how they might use it with colleagues to become fully charged?
3: We collaborated and came up with a formula that we thought would appeal to a wide audience and all of their interests. So every chapter starts with narratives, and then we provide some of the background research and the science that so many people are interested in. And then we wrap up with a set of strategies and review study questions so that the book could be used as a tool either for Twitter chats or a book study. And uh, and really engage educators in discussing how to set up a culture that increases capacity and success.
4: Yeah, as, um, you know, a principal at the time when this uh, project, um, when we got the project going, it was important that uh, we create something that was easy to navigate and that really created some actionable, immediately, let's implement pieces. And uh, the organization of the book really lends itself to that, it's, it's comfortable, it's easy to navigate, and people can um, uh, pull out information mm-hmm. as needed.
0: So let's jump into some of the content of the book, and in section one where you focus on this idea of social and emotional ecstasy. So talk to us about meeting student, parent, and staff, Maslow needs, and why is this important?
3: Well, if you think about it, ultimately what we're trying to do is set people up for success and how do we trigger successful thoughts and how do we increase our cognitive capacity and our critical thinking? And it's really rooted in a chemical reaction that's happening. So our thoughts and feelings have a strong influence on chemicals and hormones and neurotransmitters in our body such as oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin, endorphins, and cortisol. And so we wanted to really focus on mental and physical health and wellness because many times when we are not performing to our capacity, we discount that mental and physical health and wellness aspect. And if we can just provide some of the research that a lot of success happens or a lot of the foundation for academic success happens long before students step in to our classrooms. And if we could just share some of that information, but also shed light on really the the stresses involved in being an educator, because we are, we're in a profession that glorifies martyrdom, if you will. And Hmm. in order for best serve our students and our families a lot of times we sacrifice our own health and wellness and families and so we kind of wanted to just tackle that globally because so many of us struggle with finding that balance and uh, taking care of ourselves so that we can best take care of others so social emotional ecstasy is the idea that we want these powerful chemicals and hormones in our body at appropriate levels consistently so that we can perform at high levels and uh, reach our capacity for success.
4: In addition, uh, when we talk about meeting the needs of the whole child, which is something that we've talked about for a while as educators, uh, really being able to bring all um, stakeholders, team members together to do that work while remembering to do it for ourselves, is easier to talk about than to implement. And so remembering that if we want to meet the needs of every student, we have to address the social emotional learning piece. Uh, We have to look at how we can be more mindful about our work, self-care, and really the goal is of course learning, uh, but also achieving that state of social emotional ecstasy and uh, educating our community as to how to achieve that as well. Mm -hmm.
0: So I really connect to this, making the connection to the context of the world that we live in, too. And, you know, as we get older and as we get deeper into our careers, uh, the world is becoming much more complex and much more stressful, too. So, you know, what you what you highlight in this section of the book is so important for us to stay rooted in and, and really keep that Um, in the forefront of our work and making sure that we are socially and emotionally balanced and and in the right place to do that best work, like you said.
3: That's right. Looking at the research regarding social and emotional health and wellness, anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation are at an all-time high and how that really is connected to the chemical reaction that is often triggered as a result of our choices in our environment. So cortisol is kind of public enemy number one when it comes to us being mentally and physically healthy and strong and capable. And so we just wanted to share that information and make sure people know that when stress levels are high, um, just like Dr. Stephen Krashen identified years ago, when stress levels are high, learning shuts down. He called it the effective filter. Um, But what we really know now is the effective filter is the amygdala in the brain that is the that fight-flight-freeze response, stress-response system, and it tends to be very sensitive in the young brain. And so when kids are not able to perform, very rarely is it a choice of theirs. It's often the result of a, a negative chemical reaction that has been triggered. And so if we can identify that and decrease or eliminate those distressors and decrease their overall cortisol secretion, then we can help them be more successful.
4: Can you see why this project was so appealing uh, to PJ and for me? I mean, listen to Julie and and what she has to say. Uh, We don't take the time to really look into that. How is the brain functioning under uh, these types of environments? And when we look at students who are coming in with trauma, and if we are educators who are not recognizing those signs then eventually we end up in the same position with some of that secondary trauma and trying to figure out how to, how to best uh, care for self and still um, get kids to learn.
3: Social emotional ecstasy, I actually got that idea from one of my pastor's sermons. He was talking about the importance <laughs> of and physical health and wellness. And as soon as he said that phrase, it kind of just triggered that acronym. You know, because educators, we love acronyms. <laughs> so as we were throwing around ideas for this book, um, I, I pitched the idea of, hey, let's talk about sex, right? And, mm-hmm. and um, everybody, uh, you know, it really just piqued our interest and um, makes it something that kind of just sticks in our brain so that we keep that at the forefront of our decisions.
1: So in Section 2, you transitioned to Got Skills?, and you make yeah. connections to Bloom's taxonomy and how it can relate to students, parents, and staff. How do these realization and connections help us become fully
2: charged? So I think that the, the intent in everything that we do is to try to maximize the, the, the output and make sure that our students' um, outcomes meet their potential. And so for us, it was important to connect Maslow and Bloom together and that they don't operate in silos. And so often I think that's what we're doing right now is that I'm happy and thankful that there's more attention on ACEs and trauma-informed education, but a lot of times I still believe it's happening off to the side. It's another thing. It's not connecting. And the thing that I really appreciate about the book and the focus on skills, um, connecting with Maslow, is that these two things are, are inseparable. If we're not taking care of, and I know it sounds cliche, but if we're not taking care of the whole child and we're not meeting their Maslow needs first, the harder we try to bloom, the more frustrating school becomes for them. Um, Because when people don't have the capacity um, left in their tank, right, they don't have the fuel left in their tank, it's really hard for them to go really hard after an academic pursuit. And as adults, I think we feel this too, right? I mean, if we have a fight with our significant other in the morning, are we as productive at work that day? Well, no, of course not. If someone that's near and dear to us is going through a health struggle, are we completely Um, fully cognitively engaged in the challenges of our work. We try our best and we try to overcome, but sometimes there's just not that fourth and fifth gear to get to. So we realized that in ourselves. And what we tried to do was place that common sense feeling and realization, make sure that as educators, we're empathetic to that for students, for parents and for other staff members, and then put the science behind it uh, to make sure that while it's a practical guide for behavior, um, that everyone knows that this is coming from a place of, of truth and data.
4: And it may have been Julie, um, Julie, that uh, said um, you can't starve Maslow to feed bloom. And Mm. um, I I found that very powerful. Was that you, Julie, who said that?
3: Yeah, what I have found (laughs) as an educator is so many times we thoroughly assess blooms. And when we find a student is not performing, we try and force feed bloom, bloom, bloom. But if you look at cognitive capacity and and when a student is struggling academically, it is often rooted in the Maslow needs, lack of sleep, healthy food, exercise, positive face-to-face interaction, a series of small accomplishments. And so um, in education for many years, at least for myself, I know that I tended to force feed blooms and then starve Maslow. And then once I started to make that connection of, oh, I, I need to provide more relational support and more of a sense of safety and security with these students. And, and once I started to apply that and really meet those needs, that's when I saw their Bloom's critical thinking and academic <laughs> potential increase.
0: So let's move ahead to chapter eight, where you end and you wrap it up with some tough talk. So tell us about uh, tough talk and what you like to share with our listeners.
3: That actually was a, and that came from Dr. PJ's blog that he had shared. And so it was a perfect way for us to wrap up our book.
2: I don't know if the blog that I wrote was out of frustration or out of passion or, or what it was, but I was sitting in my office on a Saturday, catching up on some things and I um, was having a coaching conversation with somebody uh, over instant messenger about, well, you know, hopefully next year's better. Next year's, um, we're going to have some momentum and next year, this and next year, that, a couple things really resonated with me is that if we're focused on next year, we're not focused on the kids that are in front of us right now. And those kids deserve the best version of us. And as leaders, our staff deserve the best version of us as well. But I don't think this job's ever going to get easier. Um, When I talk to people that have been in it 10, 20, 30 years, when I I say, Hey, is it, is it easier now? At what point did it get easier? Everyone just says that the complexities continue to develop. Um, And if you look at the way that our world is going um, with technology and how it's going to impact schools, dramatically um, already has and will continue to do so with AR, VR um, and different things coming down the the pipe. I think that we are um, really doing ourselves a disservice if we're focused on next year and when it's gonna get easier. And I think what we have to focus on is we have to continue to develop ourselves um, as leaders and as educators to serve people every day Because that's what the kids that we have in front of us deserve. And as leaders, that's what the staff that we have that come and work their tails off on behalf of kids uh, deserve out of us. So I think it's time that we quit wishing and hoping uh, and and start getting to work on ourselves, really working on our self-awareness, developing ourselves uh, so that we can be the best versions of ourselves each day for the people we serve.
1: So... At the end of our podcast, we like to have these rapid-fire questions, lightning response, short we, answers, <laughs> short answers. Yes, um, lightning response, and we have uh, added this in season five, and we, it's been great because we give our res- give our listeners so many more resources to delve into,
0: and people like resources. We do, we
1: love it. So we'll ask each of you. Um, Who is one expert our listeners should connect with to learn more about uh, these ideas related to neuroscience and the young brain?
3: Dr. Judy Willis is my favorite. She is the author of Research-Based Strategies that Ignite Student Learning. She is a neuroscientist and an educator, and she's one that I go to first and foremost.
4: And I have to say, Julie Adams um, (laughs) has just, seriously, has just opened my eyes and giving, given me a different lens when it comes to this work. Mm -hmm. So um, anything out there, if you get a chance to hear her speak or read anything that she has um, put out there, she is an awesome resource.
0: We would agree. That's Mm -hmm. why a couple of seasons ago we reached out to Julie because we were like, Hmm, there's something unique (laughs) there. We got to talk to her.
2: The, uh, the book that I would recommend is called Reading in the Brain, and it talks about the neuroscience behind how uh, we can better serve kids that we're trying to teach to read. And I had to pull it up. That the name of the author is Stanislas uh, Dehane, it looks like. But the book title is Reading in the Brain.
1: All right. Well, check that out. And that's a perfect transition. Um, how about another book? Is there <laughs> any other book that anyone would like to recommend or that uh, would spark some interest in our listeners?
2: totally rocking my world right now, and it's just called Leaders, Myth, or Reality by General McChrystal, uh, and it talks about a lot of the narrative that we tell about leaders uh, is the old historical saying that, you know, to the victors go the, the narrative and the story, um, and it just kind of breaks that down and really talks about what leadership is, and it's been uh, completely paradigm shifting for me. The biggest impact a book has had on me, I think, in the last five or ten years, mm-hmm. highly recommended.
4: Ooh, I have to pick that up, PJ. I um, just picked up Dare to Lead by Brene Brown, Mm. and um, I I just think uh, we can go through her um, entire book list today and they would be recommendations, Mm -hmm. but just talking about vulnerability and um, all of the topics that we talked about in Fully Charged. Mm Looking at the leadership lens through the leadership lens, she's a great resource. Dare to lead.
1: Okay, and are there any blogs that any of you follow regularly, or online site or um, resource that you utilize in your practice?
3: I love MindShift and Edutopia.
4: Mm-hmm. I'd have to agree. MindShift is definitely a great resource. Anything um, by Teaching Tolerance. Um, is phenomenal. I highly recommend that for anybody who works with kids.
2: And I would say my day of um, bookmarking certain resources is probably past. And now I just kind of curate through Twitter to find what um, is interesting me and following different hashtags. So I'm kind of spread thin into mm-hmm. um, to all areas, to be honest.
1: Any favorite hashtags? I,
2: I'll give a shout out to my state. Um, IL EdChat is coming back. It hasn't. Uh, it was kind of dormant for several years. And there's a significant push right now for our state to get back connected together. So that would be hashtag ILEdChat, some really good stuff happening there.
3: Excellent. Thank you.
2: And I
0: think Julie had her book to share.
3: Yes, Dr. Francis Jensen, The Teenage Brain.
0: Oh, that's a fairly recent one, isn't it?
3: Yes, it is. I happened to just pick it up at Costco one afternoon. And honest to goodness, I devoured that sucker in just a few days. It was thoroughly enjoyable and so relatable as a parent, as an educator. And uh, I absolutely loved it. And we cited it in fully charged a few times as Mm -hmm. well. And then Mm -hmm. another one by Joshua Medcalf. It's about falling in love with the process of developing excellence. It's called Wood, carry water. It's a very popular book with athletic teams and organizations. And I recently had the opportunity to meet and chat with him and, Uh, he's just a fantastic resource, but the book Chalkwood Carry Water has been something I have really enjoyed as well.
1: All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Julie, PJ, and Rosa. Um, for our listeners, there are lots of links in the show notes from the book to their Twitter handles, previous episodes, and all those resources they just shared.
0: And that's the bonus of having so many guests on one show as we get (laughs) lots of extra resources as well as talking about their work. So thank you all very much. Thank you.
4: Thank you, Randy and
0: Lynn.
2: Appreciate the opportunity.
0: Each episode, we leave you with a question to think about with the hope of provoking reflection and conversation. This episode's question, how will you be a fully charged teacher, leader, and or learner? If you've enjoyed this episode would like to comment or check out the resources shared today, visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for Season 5, Episode 22. And that's all for now. We'll be back soon with another conversation featuring other innovative thought leaders. Thanks again, Julie, PJ, and Rosa.
1: Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.